Tonight's episode of Board Chitless is sponsored by The Game Steward. The Game Steward is an online game store offering Kickstarter board games out of print and imported games at reasonable prices. It's time to play. Merry Christmas, chitheads! I hope you're having a brilliant festive period. We've managed to get together to play some not very festive games. (laughs) I'm Lucky, and today I'm joined by... Sam. And Tristan. This week we've been playing Seafall, Love Letter, and Race for the Galaxy, because we can't just keep away from it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's been like nearly a year. Um, I'm sure it's been sooner than nearly a year. We could probably just actually check the podcast. We, we, we have an audio archive to prove it. Three days. <laughs> so quickly dipping into the Seafall Legacy report, then we can't really say a lot without giving out loads of spoilers. Um, but we can just give people a brief idea of um, what it's like after playing two games now, uh, three, including the prologue. Um, so what's everyone's experience has been? Are you loving it, hating it, or too soon to have an opinion? I'm really enjoying it. It's, this is my first experience of a legacy game. You know, it's all quite new to me. And I was very sort of anti-legacy, the idea of destroying things as I went along. But then I started to review how often we actually get some of the games to the table. And it seems like it's, you know... Pretty good concept when you consider the size of our games collection. I like the way that the rules change as you go. It introduces more elements, more aspects. But on a basic level, I'm really enjoying it. It's, there's enough meat going on with it. There's enough depth. And there's a lot of room for development. A lot. I'm quite, quite getting into this, you know, quite quite enjoying this. Uh, but it, I believe it got a lot of bad reviews as well. Like it wasn't as well received, but I think it's unfounded that. And I don't know whether it's just people didn't give it the chance or you know, get enough, get yeah. deep enough into the game to actually experience it. Or it could just be that people were expecting another pandemic legacy and people who were massive fans of that may not have, you know, been as, as open to this sort of game. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, for me, it's it's definitely a good one. I'm really, really enjoying it. I'm looking, looking forward to see where it's going. Yeah, Tristan and I um, covered that after we played the prologue. And again, um, we just kind of put it down to bigger IPs coming before it. Um, people may be expecting more of the pandemic sort of experience. Um, I've not played Pandemic Legacy or Risk Legacy, so I can't really speak um, from that point of view. Um, but it's, I can't, I was, based on different people's reviews before we played, I was almost like led to believe that the game came out of the box a little bit broken or, you know, with stuff massively missing. Um, but again, without seeing all too much of what's going to go into it and with future games, it doesn't really seem like there is too much. I think... I kind of, tonight's game, I kind of like, you know, started to kind of pout a little bit because all the milestones kind of dried up and then I thought, oh, there's not going to be enough game. But there actually was. You just had to kind of just get into it and get past the... Do you want to explain that a little bit more? Just for... So the milestones are essentially little story devices where you complete a certain objective. So that might be explore a certain amount on an island or um, basically you've just got to hit a particular goal. Um, and then you'll get treated to reading part of the storybook out. That'll give you a little bit of flavor for an extra rule set, or it might actually introduce a new rule. Um, 
And a big bump in glory points. That's it. A big bump in glory points. So you usually, instead of getting one glory point for um, completing a build action or for raiding, you'll get three or four, which um, can be a tremendous boon. And you'll also probably get a little sticker to put on your character or to put on the board. So it just helps to progress the game a bit quicker. Um, but because of the way our second game started, we only had one milestone left. And Dave got that straight away. So I was like, well, there's no point in playing now. <laughs> and um, There was some serious dummy spitting going there, on. There was a little bit. There was a little bit. But it was a huge lead. I mean, he was like six points ahead of everyone at the start of the game. And it, it was an intimidating lead for the rest of us. It was like, oh, well, and that was the last milestone at that point. So there was no real easy way of just jumping up and grabbing those six points and catching up with him, was it? Yeah, exactly. And we managed to um, get the first sort of big rule expansion box opened, didn't we? So um, that had a load of goodies in it, loads of extra stickers for the boards, loads of extra new rules, uh, which kind of opened our eyes up to how the rest of the game is going to get played out, how the next game is definitely going to feel a lot different and a lot bigger. Um, Exactly. But without kind of just being a one-step opening up of the rest of the board... So it'll be interesting to see how that breaks up and if um, any of our friendships actually survive the <laughs> extra rules that have come out from it. Definitely some red-faced silences after certain raids <laughs> during that game. We should probably point out at this point that Dave has already left. <laughs> Might be unrelated. He, he was muttering under his breath at the time, definitely. Yeah, he did have that lead, but... I- is, is it? It's wallowing in my own crapulence a little bit to say that I managed to overtake him <clears throat> and win the game. Skillfully done. Skillfully done. The way that you um, did that. <laughs> spoilers removed. <laughs> um, so, Sam, based on the last two games, then, would you want to get more C4? Are you kind of intrigued? Uh, definitely, yeah. I obviously was on a bit of a high after that first game with winning it, uh, which was very unexpected. Uh, but this game, yeah, I was miles behind everyone. Uh, but I felt like it wasn't ridiculous at any point, and I felt like the people who were higher up earned it. Like Dave managing to get that milestone in the very first turn of the ve- of the second game it was like it kind of shocked us all. I think that he was able to achieve that just through a couple of combinations that he managed to pull off. Um, but the one thing that I did quite like is whoever wins one game almost is like they're put onto a back foot a bit with the next game by the way the the mechanics work. So it's all to do with your advisors that you recruit uh, and it sort of will set you in a position where you can be a bit behind to start with whilst also getting some other boons. So it's sort of balances it quite evenly. And the, the new mechanic that we've got with the player order might actually change things even further with regards to who gets that jump lead and where, where they sort of go to. Yeah, that's definitely spoiler territory, isn't it? That's why I'm not going into any any more details about it. (laughs) Okay, the interesting thing for me about Seafall is I like it. I'm enjoying it. I think we're having a good time and I like that we're all doing a legacy game together finally. What I am kind of a little bit surprised at is it's a great game or it's a good game, but we've got much better games, but we're now committed to this for like a dozen more games you know to try and see through the whole campaign and i want to i'm you know happy to do that and everything but it's like we're putting aside all of our favorites and i even think maybe for example merchants and marauders is the better seafaring adventure game i'm not sure i'm not 100 percent convinced on this yet because we haven't seen all of seafall yeah. but there's a definite part of me that is really enjoying it and i do want to commit to it i do want to see it through but i'm also sort of thinking 
oh man, we could be playing Spartacus, we could be playing Fireteam Zero, you know, we've got all these other games and stuff. So it's almost, um, this isn't particular to Seafall, but just like legacy and campaign games in general, when they consume your attention and your time like this, they're like table hogs, you know, it's like, thou shalt play no other games but me kind of thing. And I think that part of that is that you, when you, these, the impression I'm getting from legacy games or these big campaign games is, um, you're starting off and playing a very simple game. It's, it's few rules, and you kind of think it's a bit underwhelming, especially for seasoned gamers. Uh, and it's only when the game gets going that you really start to f- feel a crunch of it. Whereas your other games, like your complete games, like Spartacus or Merchants and Marauders, where it's a one session type thing, is you've got that full immersive experience in one go. So I think it's it's just two different ways of playing. Uh, I like the campaign. I like the way it's building, and it. I mean, I quite like this this legacy idea of it changing, and it's it's like doing the old style D and D campaigns where you're starting from nothing and building up and, and going through that, and it changes permanently as you go. And now, obviously, this you're destroying it at the end; you can't just go back to the start. But I think it, what I'm hoping for is in a next game or two, it'll reach a point where it's better than those other games, <clears throat> and then it will go beyond that. You know, the more stuff that goes into it, it'll get even better and better. Yeah. I'm hoping for it, but we'll have to wait and see if it delivers. We'll be very invested in it because of all of the empire and everything that you've built and naming all the cards and all that kind of stuff and getting those little stickers and everything. Lucky, what were your opinions when we first opened that first expansion box and got a a load of new content and rules to pile into the game? It was nice because it was so heavy. It actually (laughs) felt like there was going to be loads in it, and there was. Um... I thought they were going to tease out a few things, um, but they seemed to be like a good deck of cards, uh, a couple of good decks of cards. There was a whole like extra rule sets, and then there was a lot, you know, seeing a lot of islands in there as well. So it's given us a lot to aim for. I wonder how quickly we'll kind of burn through some of the content, like the extra milestones and things, before the next box is opened. Um, obviously, like I think it's got to be set up so when you've just done one, you'll open the next one straight away. Um, but which is that magic milestone that opens up the next one? Um, it's going to be interesting to see, really, but I'm quite excited to get back to it. Um, it'll be interesting to see, because the way that I was looking at the Legacy Games was that what will keep you going back would be the fact it'll be a different experience than playing like Emergence Marauders or your Dead of Winter sort of games where, like you're saying, they're a bit more complex. They've got loads of moving parts in them, but they've got their own identity and feel. And there's a lot of like air punch moments, especially playing Spartacus. Um, but with the legacy game, it just seems to be just teased out a little bit. So I think those experiences will come. It might just more take piecemeal. A, exactly, yeah. And um, I suppose the real sort of um, like ideal would be, you know, you really had to be there moments. So we could speak to someone that had played Seafall when they, you know, we'd be telling them about this brilliant thing that happened during our game, but they wouldn't get to experience that because they're, board was set up in a slightly different way right um we've had a few things where some of the resources have probably been a little bit too clustered than what you'd normally feel comfortable with in a board game but you know that's how you know random selection Dem- works to break exactly so um so we'll see how it how it comes out there was no extra little plastic bits in um one of the boxes oh what is this a spoiler i think it might be um <laughs> So yeah, that was a little bit Yet. disappointing. Yeah, we don't want to see uh, we want to see working cannons in one of those boxes. <laughs> a dexterity game. Yeah. It all bo- rests on the flip of a coin now. Exactly. The box is heavy enough for one of them to be in there. So <laughs> we'll see.
Yeah, no, I'm intrigued and, and yeah, I'm eager to see it through or at least, you know, stick with it to see what happens next kind of thing. And the actual game is good. It's good, fun, exploring, piratey, adventure, raidy, explorer type game. We can safely say after a couple of games, nothing is yet broken. So <laughs> yet. we'll we'll keep, we'll keep on exploring those Uncharted Seas and we'll let you know if we do find anything to really stick, you know, is that. Okay, so another game we've been playing today was Love Letter, the behemoth of a uh, table breaker <laughs> that it is. Uh, I can't a... believe how many miniatures come with this game. <laughs> it's crazy, it's crazy. So we've had Love Letter for a good while now. We played it first time a couple of years ago, didn't we? But it's yeah. just um, kind of seen a bit of neglect in recent years. I think the first time we ever played it was on a train, Lucky. Oh, it <laughs> that's, was. That's how portable it is. It was, and it's a great... With non-gamers. Oh, where it, it belongs. <laughs> it, it's a great game for that. A, Sorry, I jumped ahead there. There's no, no problem, no problem whatsoever. So, Love Letter, for anyone that um, doesn't know or can't remember, is a <laughs> game for one to four players. Two, no, to, two four. to four players. One to four players, with one player would be rubbish. <laughs> it's not one for the one player guild, unfortunately. Unless you're really forgetful. <laughs> but it's literally, it's a game in a bag that will fit in your pocket. There's about 16 cards, a quick rule book, well, rule slip explanation and a couple of chits just to keep um tabs on who's winning and the gameplay is really simple it's a um bluffing and deduction game where you divvy out a card to each of the players burn one and then you'll just draw a card and follow the flavor text that's on it well this will give you some instructions and um, each card has a number on it which will go from one to eight so the princess who you're trying to sneak a love letter to has eight and then it'll just go down from there and you're trying to eliminate other players from the table or just end the game with the princess, which is a lot easier said than done. And what does everyone think? I think you're right when you said it goes down from there. Um, <laughs> no, no this, is a, this is a brilliant game for non-gamers and if you've got like 10, 15 minutes to spare... Um, which is about the length of time I can play it for before <laughs> pulling my hair. No, I'm, I'm being rude. Um, the art is terrific. The fact that they've sold 16 cards as a game <laughs> and been so hugely successful, I think, is is also terrific. And as a game, if you just want to, if you've got people who don't even think card games or board games are a thing, it's a great way to just sort of break it out and just get them involved kind of thing. Um I was shocked to see it come up on game night with us lot, uh, like hardcore gamers playing Love Letter. But um, yeah, I think Sam is probably the best person to answer this question, having played it for the first time tonight. Sam, how does Love Letter compare to Kingdom Death Monster? Uh, on a par, I'd say. <laughs> Give or take. Just with the uh, amount of plastic, yeah. Um, no, it, it wasn't... I, I'm going to be really negative now. It it didn't do anything for me at all. And if I was wanting to play something as light as that, I'd go for Citadels. Uh, right. And any time, it just feels like a there's a little bit more going on in Citadels than just flipping the cards. You've got the secretive element, but then you're also doing points as you go. It's not just discarding cards and picking up cards and hoping you've got the right one at the end of the game. And I, I mean, I can see the appeal for non-gamers and sort of an introduction and a quick one, right? family around the table or whatever but we are gamers and it just is is too light for me i i wouldn't really 
I wouldn't mind if I never played it again, to be honest. It's just, it's, without, without being horrible about it, it's just, uh, it's just not, it's, it's not enough depth, depth for me. Value comments there. Uh, one of the defences that I'd have for the game was that it plays so quickly that, you know, you couldn't really afford not to have it in your repertoire. But then um, we played Race for the Galaxy as well this evening. And we managed to play that. Race for the Galaxy probably took like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, including setup, and probably was about 100 times better, even though it lasted for like the extra 10 minutes. Um, so there are probably better small box or teeny box or micro games out there. But for some reason, Love Letter, I do really enjoy playing it quite generally. Is it because it's one of the first games you got? Like I think it is because it's one of the first games that I got. Um, I've got a lot of great memories for it as well. It's like um, I brought it out on a train or an airplane with me a few times. It went around Southeast Asia with me. So I made a few friends playing it as well. Um, but genuinely with the um, gameplay, it's just that sort of bluffing, deception, like early game, you're just making kind of blind decisions, trying to catch someone out. And when they pull that off, Sam wouldn't have seen it today because we only played um, like one game of it. But you get this <laughs> tremendous sense of satisfaction of like getting your mate out of the game, even though you didn't really deserve it. Um, and Guessing you... that they were the princess in the first round. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, it just makes me feel feel good. Um, another uh, thing about this game is it's not really a pro, uh, but it got re-themed about 400 million times. There's a crazy amount of licenses out there for it. You can get Batman Love Letter. You can get Adventure Time Love Letter. I'm assuming there's a Lovecraft letter. There must be a Lovecraft letter. I'm pretty sure there's probably a Monopoly letter out there somewhere. Um, but it just makes it super accessible. And if you wanted to buy a stocking filler for like seven pounds, you could buy this for someone and you know they might just enjoy it. Or if you wanted a better stocking filler, just buy a prosthetic leg. <laughs> oh. Oh so then, um, based on that, Love Letter versus Race for the Galaxy, which would you buy for someone for Christmas? Sam's going with the prosthetic leg. Uh, I'd always go for Race for the Galaxy. Uh, but as I say, I think this a, a better comparison would be citadels or something like that and i think i'd go i'd still go with citadels um citadels is definitely the better game you'd have a hard time introducing that as easily to a non-gamer crowd i don't know if that's the the question here but really love letter is definitely like one for the family sort of thing um whereas citadels is is a fun game <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the crucial difference um but neither of them compare at all to the excellent race for the galaxy which no matter how many times we play it always is thrilling and interesting and we had super close scores today i think what was it 30 32 34 yeah. so like a finish like that is always brilliant for a game like that that takes up 20 minutes of your time yeah and has really cool art and a cooler theme than love letter even if it doesn't massively come through in the cards but yeah now race for the galaxy i think it's, it's you called it evergreen before lucky oh yeah every time it comes to the table it we seem to get something fresh or different out of it and um it's one of those weird games where it's so easy to pick up and play after not playing it for ages that you can leave it for like 18 months and come back to it. And within a few turns, I've remembered how to play it. But then you've kind of forgotten all your strategies. So it is like playing a new game again. It's a bit weird. It's a little bit strange, really. Um, I, yeah, I, I do love it. I think I think that's because there are so many strategies in the game. Like, depending on the cards you get, can completely change how you play. And you often have to change it two or three times during one game. So you can't just start the game and go, right, I'm going military. Yeah. Because it depends what comes out. Although that's exactly what I did today. <laughs> Except this time. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I started off thinking I was going to go military. Then it turned out I was getting better developments coming through. So I, was, I had to switch back to that. And then I was trying to fuel my more expensive developments to get the points I needed towards the end. Yeah, you usually have to find one track and commit to it early, don't you? And I had about 12 tracks going. So, you know, I just lurpacked it and it didn't really come, didn't win in the end. But I don't think anybody else outside of us two knows what that means. I'm uh, sorry, uh, lurpacking is when you spread yourself too thin. <laughs> Another bad pun from me today. I was a little bit worried then. I've seen far too many films. (laughs) (laughs) Very bad direction. (laughs) So there we go. Last tango in (laughs) Lurpak. But it just goes to show that a game doesn't have to be as small as 16 cards in order to be fun, entertaining and easy to learn. So it's Christmas Day and we're all in Tristan's living room. Warming ourselves by the fire and enjoying some hot chestnuts. Quick question. How many Christmas-themed games are there? Can you think of any? The only one I can think of right now is Dead of Winter with the uh, <laughs> the drunk Santa Claus character. And I honestly, I can't think of it actually being implemented as a theme at all, even as like a separate license or anything. There are loads of fan-made Christmas things online on board game geek for uh, games like eclipse do a fantastic um army of santas and I, i've not actually played it but they've got a whole christmas themed race like civilization race and somebody's done the same thing for scythe as well i think the um the eclipse one was was like a semi-official release as well by the guys who designed the game and also uh fan Flying Frog Productions yeah. did a villain for A Touch of Evil, which is the Nutcracker. And it's clearly like nice. a Christmas-themed like uh, clockwork warrior sort of thing. So um, so there's loads of like cool Christmas-themed game variations yeah. out there. But in terms of an actual Christmas-themed game, I'm not sure <laughs> the longevity on that. Yeah, officially published games that can't be found in a bargain bin on Boxing Day. <laughs> Might be a bit trickier. Um, I wonder though if it's legacy. You throw it in the bin immediately after play. Yeah, basically, if a diehard board game exists, then that's probably going to be the closest, isn't it? If it doesn't exist, it should. I was kind of thinking, you know, along the lines of family type games, you know, for people to play with kids and things like on the lead up to Christmas, and it just seems like potentially it's something that's missing from the marketplace. That I just can't see it being tapped into very much at all, other than probably some version of Snakes and Ladders with. Reindeer and uh, lederhosen or something. <laughs> uh, but no, it was just a just a thought. Then uh, the only one that really came to mind was the Dead of Winter one, like the official variant, and that was just like a bad Santa, which was, uh, you know, it's just a character in the game, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which you know you don't want to get. He's just <laughs> it's quite funny how it was found. If you've got a um, Christmas-themed stalwart board game that you're currently playing and are laughing at Sam for his absolute ignorance on Christmas <laughs> board games, please do get in touch. There's a dusty old Mars bar that no one's claimed from the first episode. Um, <laughs> so if someone can actually give us a legitimate comment, then we might just gift it to you. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, we'll speak to you in the new year with more of, um, more tales from the high seas. And... Hopefully Tristan will eventually have got to play Civilization. Happy Christmas, everybody! Happy Christmas! Ditto. <laughs> Humbug. Humbug. <laughs>